When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the B-Side Boys podcast, an Iowa rugby podcast. My name is Mr. Gray, and I'm all by myself today. It is Tuesday, July 5th. Hopefully everyone had a happy and safe 4th of July weekend, however you chose to spend it. But yeah, I'm all by myself because Phil went out of town for July 4th weekend, so he wasn't able to record with us today. And Javi, congratulations, got a new job. He had orientation today. So yeah, it's just going to be me. I'm going to do my best, I don't know, Jim Rome, Colin Cowherd, I don't know, people who talk by themselves. So might be a little weird, but thank you for joining us. Uh, We've got some cool guests this week that are going to talk about some things that impact rugby in Iowa but are not directly in Iowa. And today's episode is brought to you by Rotor Epoxy. They are an epoxy coating company that specializes in the protection of concrete as well as giving a pleasing and aesthetic finish. You know, you have a garage floor, you have a workshop, you have some sort of space, maybe a man cave. It's got just concrete, just plain old concrete. Kind of has an ugly look. It, it chips away, gets dusty. It, it, it just hard to clean up because of all the cracks. You call Rotor Epoxy at 319-461-8162 or email them at rotorepoxy at gmail.com. Let them know you want them to redo your garage, your man cave, your bar, your workshop, whatever. And they're going to give it an awesome customization, easy to clean, beautiful to look at. I mean, you go to their Facebook page, you see someone had a Hawkeye-themed man cave bar in their house. They did black and yellow little speckles in there. really pops. You see someone in their garage, they have a hot rod. really adds to it. You know, the floor doesn't just have to be, oh, it's just concrete. It can be something that looks nice, but also is really friendly to clean up and just to have. So get a hold of those guys. Tell them we sent them. Um, Kyle Roeder, big listener of the show. Glad we could get him on as a sponsor. I know definitely our studio in my garage. I definitely want to get this done soon once uh, once I'm able to pay for it. But definitely good guys. Get a hold of them. They do great work. Check out their Facebook page. Give them a call. Give them an email and they'll take care of you. And so speaking of taking care of people, Fox Sports or just Fox in general, they had the pleasure of having the Major League Rugby Championship final on a couple weeks ago. We talked about it. New York beat Seattle 30 to 15. But news came out, and Phil sent this to me. This was Phil's segment for the week. But the viewership for Major League Rugby was a very disappointing low. The viewership dropped immensely. And Phil, he was on the Reddit pages. He was he was checking it out, and there was a post that showed 
what actually those numbers looked like. And I looked, we, we kind of guessed how many people were in the stadium. Only 1,979 people were actually in the stands. So that's kind of a disappointing number for the championship. A lot of people in this thread on Reddit were talking about how that area of New Jersey, New York, they have a great rugby community. And they were hoping to see more youth programs and youth teams out. But yeah, less than 2,000 people at the championship. Obviously, it'd be hard to get people from Seattle there. And then the TV ratings came in, and they also were pretty disappointing. The final came out to a 0.16, which was a 42% drop from last year, which was a 0.28. So if you don't know what that 0.16, 0 0.28, uh, it's just how they do ratings, just that's their metric. But what you need to know is it dropped 42%. So some of the things when you look at what else was on TV that day, well, Major League Rugby, the finals at noon in Iowa or uh, on the East Coast, 11 a.m. in Iowa, 9 a.m. on the West Coast for Seattle. Uh, those fans would be watching. That was the earliest sports show that was on TV that day. And when you look at the actual number of how many people watched, they had only two, 281,000. Yeah. So let me say that again. 281,000 people watched that on Fox. So that's a very disappointing number. It beat out Pro Fighters League on ESPN, which aired at 8 p.m. It also beat out Track and Field that aired at 10 p.m., both on Friday nights. It lost out to the Westminster Dog Show. And it, it, yeah, just you look at some of these numbers. Um, that Major League Soccer regular season matchup, they did beat them out. And that was also on Saturday at 5 p.m., and one of the main reasons people say that the MLR championship didn't have the numbers, just using common sense, it was Saturday on a beautiful summer day. Every person involved in rugby at a club level, a youth level, a coaching level, they were probably at their local pitch. They were probably on the road for a sevens or tens or fifteens tournament, select sides all across the country people were doing something involved with rugby. That's something that's so great about our community. People get involved. They're active. I mean, how many NFL fans are going to miss, you know, the Bears versus Packers because they have a pickup game of football on a Sunday afternoon? Doesn't happen. The average football fan isn't getting out there playing football, but our rugby fans they're involved in the sport. That's what makes it great. It's so accessible to, to meet these stars because they came through the grassroots as well. So the audience wasn't there when it was live because they were active. And that's not the MLR's fault. They were put between a rock and a hard place because there wasn't very many options for them on the Saturday, Sunday schedule. I mean, that's really all they got. And I think th there's rumors of other time slots they could have had, but it just wouldn't have made sense financially because there were other sports. Uh, it's disappointing, though, that the big three, Ice Cubes basketball three-on-three -three championship, or not championship, the, the league that they run, that got more views than the final. And I think, too, that was on CBS at 1 o'clock. So right around the same time, they about doubled what MLR did. They had 491,000. So about double of what they had. If you look at after 
after the MLR game was the USFL football playoff game, and that quadrupled it. They just came in at 998,000, so just under a million people. So the hope was, hey, maybe these guys who are watching football, maybe they'll catch the end of this rugby match. And maybe they did, and those numbers didn't translate over. But it is very worrying that that number dropped so low. Phil also wanted me to point out that numbers across the board for all sports are dropping. So maybe it's people are getting more active. Maybe it's because there's just more options on streaming services. There's more options and access to so many different things to be able to watch that all sports are hurting. But with a World Cup coming up in 2031 and 2033, you hope that these numbers would improve. And not drastically, not saying, you know, in the next year, it's going to go from 200,000 people to a million. It'd be cool. But you would just hope it would trend in the right direction. So MLR and U.S. Rugby, they have to do something to get the general sports fan to get interested. I mean, we they didn't they weren't able to do that. And the diehards, they were at the pitch. And that's why that number was low. So we're making excuses for why that number was low. At the end of the day, that number needs to increase, whether it be the MLR finds another day or night, even if it's on a weeknight. I know that wouldn't be ideal, but at least your rugby fans would be able to see it. And that would be appetizing to those sponsors, get those numbers up. And so hopefully the MLR and USA Rugby, they can come together and find a solution I don't think Saturday in the middle of the day or early morning for the West Coast is a good option. I know on Sunday they're fighting with so many major sports. So the college baseball, college softball World Series were going on. You have NASCAR events, other racing events. Uh, the, the dog show, I guess, is a thing people cared about. That's kind of a bummer. Uh, but hopefully, you know, they can use this to grow. Um, I, I know, too, the, the Giltinis and the Gilgronis being out of it, that probably hurt some of the L.A. and Austin fans who are invested all year. Hopefully they come back next year and they can dive back into it. One thing I did see while I was looking up some of the stuff, a lot of the teams have special championships and like little series, you know, like in college football, Iowa plays Minnesota for the Floyd of Rosedale. Well, apparently... And this is on Wikipedia. I don't know how true it is. The Giltinis and the Gilgronis have played each other four times. Giltinis have won three times. Gilgronis have won once. The name of their series is called Two Gills, One Cup. If Phil was here, we would make a joke. If you don't know what that is referencing, don't look it up. And if you do know what it's referencing, I'm sorry. It's just awful. I can't imagine that's actually a real thing sponsored by MLR or like, yeah, this is a good idea to name it this. I I bet it's just some fan thinking they're cheeky, being funny, uh, and maybe it got by somebody who doesn't know the internet. So who knows? But again, hopefully we see some more growth. There's a lot of great things with players uh, getting better. They want to move up to the MLR. So I want that to be a viable thing. I want that to be a pathway for our national team to get better and better. And today, our interview is with Joey Rasmus. He is the head coach of the University of Illinois Rugby Club for the men's. And he also, I believe, helps out with the North Shore in the WPL. 
And the main thing we're going to talk about, and I and I said this incorrectly last week, uh, I called it the Gorilla Rugby. It's actually the Silverbacks, the Silverbacks Elite Rugby Program, and it is a high performance uh, training and camps that kids who want to pursue higher level rugby. He puts on camps. We're going to hear from him and see if some of these kids have aspirations for MLR and higher. So with that being said, I'm going to play the music. All right, and we are now to the interview portion of the show. Today we have with us Joey Rasmus. Joey, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Really excited to be on. Yeah, and before we start, I just want to, so I don't mess up any of the titles, you just want to quickly tell everybody everything you're involved with. It's it's such a long resume. I don't want to leave anything out. Uh, yeah, tell everyone what you do with rugby. Yeah, of course. Uh, let's see if I can remember it all. Um, <laughs> I'm the head coach. Of, I just finished the season with Chicago North Shore in the WPL. Um, I'm also the head coach of the men at the University of Illinois, co-commissioner of the Big Ten, I'm vice president of the Carfu Referee Society, uh, and I'm the director of rugby for Silverbacks Elite Rugby, which is a high-performance organization here in the Midwest. Uh, but it's not your like traditional select side high-performance. It's more focused on the holistic development of athletes. Um, so yeah, I think that, that covers all of it. I might have to double-check my CV to make sure I had it all, too. <laughs> and that's how we first connected was that last one there. Uh, with Silverbacks, and just that high-performance opportunity and that holistic approach. Can you explain, and that's something that's brand new that started. I know I first saw it to um, the name Joe Lippert. He was involved with it. How did Silverbacks start, and what's that look like so far in this first couple of years? Yeah, no, uh, we, we had a lot of conversations with the community, and uh, there was kind of a lot of frustration in what resources were available to those really aspirational athletes. Um, you know, uh, select sides, like they're really great. You get to play under more pressure and that's an environment to learn. Um, but they only really make contact with you at two to four weeks out of the year. Um, and so we wanted something for those other 50 weeks of the year. Um, we wanted American athletes to be able to, go ahead and pursue rugby to the same level and with the same resources that uh, a kid at Pearl Gym in South Africa or King's College in New Zealand, uh, you know, uh, at Harrow in in England and have the uh, starting to get to comparable resources. Um, Obviously, the Midwest is a big problem for that because uh, in the Midwest, we have the most players uh, of any territorial union in the United States, but we also have the biggest geography. Um, so we started coming up with really creative ways like cooking classes, doing online mental skill development and, and kind of film related stuff. And then, uh, you know, another big perform, uh, problem we saw with, with the high performances, like drive to Indianapolis and for a kid in, in Des Moines, you know, that's not always the, an option. And, and in some communities, you know, like the, there's only one vehicle in the household, uh, and that household has to get the primary income earner to work. Um, so we wanted to do a decentralized model where we're doing virtual programs that it's, is easier to access where we're doing, um, 
uh, in person at satellite uh, sites, uh, and we started sending uh, coaches around the the, the Midwest, um, and and occasionally we do these more kind of centralized camps as well. Uh, and I, I think the first time we connected was back when uh, last summer uh, when we put one of those camps up in uh, Cedar Rapids yeah. uh, with help of the, the local guys there. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of where it started and. Uh, you know, we have more camps on kind of a biannual basis, and uh, and we also have these year-round programs where we have enough of a density. Uh, we've got the in-person version of the programs, and then we've got uh, uh, remote-only. Uh, we have great remote-only S&C programs um, that, that get athletes the cheaper access to professional programming for, for uh, that. You know, like I said, we teach cooking classes because we find kids don't know how to cook when they get to college. <laughs> they probably eat bad stuff, but I'm sure a few of us uh, can attest to that oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, with our college experiences. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure I word vomited a ton about it there, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's any, any threads or things that I, I skimmed through too fast. <laughs> Oh, no, that's great. And it's funny you say that. I just remember going up to Northern Iowa and the first time I saw the dining hall, it's like a buffet and being a, you know, 18, 19 year old kid, like, you mean I can have all of this at once? And then not, hey, it's, whoa, I turned into a prop. Weird. Um, <laughs> you know, so that's awesome. You're doing that with high school kids because they don't realize their metabolism. They just burn everything off. And, you know, they have to, you know, if they want to be at that higher level, they need to have that mentality to be able to perform at the high level and know how to take care of their body as they go through this. And so if you were to talk to a kid who uh, was on the fence about this and there wasn't a camp in their area right now, you know, what, what does that online portion look like? And then when are some camps coming up locally in kind of the local States here? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're going to, uh, First of all, there's the online foundation program, which has kind of uh, weekly cooking classes. Uh, we've got weekly uh, offerings on different, uh, trying to build a principal understanding of the game. So right now we're looking at Seven's Attack. Uh, we just did the uh, uh, Art of the Offload uh, the other week, and then for that it was Seven's Defense. Um, and then we also provide the SNC program. It's really simple to sign up for. It's just a, a $25 a month subscription. Uh, you know, just for context, uh, the value of uh, our uh, SNC program that's provided by uh, Justin Goonan of Universal Sports Strength and Conditioning, uh, when he does it for for just kind of normal athletes out in uh, the uh, the world, he charges thirty bucks a, a person just for for that component of it. Wow. Um, so you get the SNC program, you get nutrition classes, you get to learn about the game. Um, you can sign up and you can cancel at any time. So. If you just want to get a taste for it and the resources that we have available, uh, I encourage you just to, to try for a month. Um, in terms of things that we have coming up, we have a camp in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, uh, the weekend of July 9th and 10th, and then another one in Chicago, uh, July 16th and 17th, I believe. I've got my Saturday, Sunday, right? Um, if you're able to uh, travel, uh, it's always a really great experience to meet athletes from around the midwest uh you know we have a lot of athletes who will travel in kind of groups from their clubs book a vrbo um you get the team bonding uh then you get to, to bond with the other athletes at the the camp um and just kind of as a little special thing uh thank you for having me on uh, we're gonna run a coupon code uh through friday here this week uh b-side boys uh and, and i'll share it with uh 
with, with you to, to put in the description for 10% off. And we're also going to make a donation of 10% of, of, of our registration to Iowa Youth Rugby for everyone who signs up with that code. Um, if you're looking to, to come to one of those camps. Looking further out, um, we do want to work harder to build relationships uh, with with the Iowa community. Um, obviously, like we, we operate a lot uh, in Illinois, in Wisconsin, um, and in Iowa, we've had uh, Coach Plan, Coach Joe Lippert, uh, work with us, but, but we want to build those relationships with coaches. Um, so we're hoping to plan here in uh, December or January a Rugby X five-a-side tournament uh, for uh, any any uh, group of about 10 or so uh, uh, Iowa uh, boys or girls athletes to come and participate in. Um, and we're looking to do that in West Des Moines. So look out for information about that. But we really want to use that as, as an event to, to get to know uh, coaches better to get to know the players better and and as a place where we can start to have conversations uh, and hear from the players what their goals are and, and how we can best support them um, because you know our, our goal and our job is to, to serve the athletes and uh, that really starts for us for creating opportunities to hear what they want and need um, so a lot on on the uh, horizon there um, yeah no that's sorry. that's huge that's amazing 10% off and then a 10% donation to the Iowa Youth Rugby. I appreciate what you're doing for the kids. And and I know you've been trying to get into the, the Iowa youth scene. And and I'm, I'm very biased. I think we've got some great kids and some great talent. A lot of kids with a chip on their shoulder. And we just had Casey Hansen on this past Friday. And he's the head coach of the Iowa Select Side boys team. And I just think, you know, like you said, the Select Side opportunities, they're great. But you only get that that small window of a couple days here, a couple days there. You go compete, and then it's it's over. This is more, you know, that online portion. You're getting stuff weekly, monthly. You're you're learning from all these people, and then you go to these skills camps. I've seen some of the names of coaches as well. I mean, you have USA Eagles, some WPL members, uh, people with just these rich histories. Can you? Uh, name some of the people that you have coaching and and what's that been like working with some of these high level people and how excited are they to come in and, and help the youth yeah no i mean i i think they love it uh this current camp cycle we've got charlie jacoby who's a tight head prop for the uh the women's eagles uh she did our last uh, set of summer camps as well um we've got joey Baki coming to chicago with us he plays a uh, hooker for the utah warriors uh, and he's a homegrown boy in chicago uh, nice. he went through like naperville uh, and then Nequa Valley and went to Western Michigan uh, University and played club rugby and, and made it all the way up to the MLR. So, you know, not only can you learn from kind of their skills, but I, I think their path to professional rugby and hearing that is is really, really valuable um, in terms of sometimes that uh, is kind of uh, hidden and hard to, to find out those answers. Um, so th- I think that's one of the big values we add. I forgot with our uh, uh, online programs, and it's probably the most valuable thing we do. Uh, once a month, our athletes actually get to do a PDP meeting uh, with, uh, with, with either a member of our senior coaching staff or some player mentors. Um, so right now, uh, uh, Flan and I are the ones on the roster doing uh, those. We've got uh, Betty Gwynn, uh, who is a former WPL player at North Shore, 
um, and who uh, uh, currently plays with the Chicago Lions, who's getting ready to come online with that. Um, we've got Mikey Teo on contract. We're just uh, working to get uh, a few uh, kinks ironed out with him uh, with, on the risk management side so he can finish his onboarding um, so he can do those PDP meetings. Um, and the more we build out that uh, network of athletes, the more we're going to be able to bring in uh, top-level players. So, like, you know, talking about Mikey, if you're trying to work on your back three player and you're trying to improve your decision-making around kicking, uh, and that's your big work on for this next month, um, you know, you just get to go in and be like, here's here's Mikey's availability. You book a slot for him, a 15-minute slot for him. Um, and you're talking to a legend of the sevens circuit, a uh, Utah warrior, obviously, uh, a USA Eagle, and, and getting all of his insights and information and expertise at having played that level game at the highest possible level uh, to learn from. Um, obviously, we've got a lot more uh, local coaches as well. I mentioned Joe Lippert, who's at Iowa Central, has done a few camps with us uh, and a couple of clinics. Um, Megan Flanagan is one of my favorite people to work with up at Northern Iowa. Oh yeah. Uh, goodness, I, uh, the, the, the network is getting uh, pretty robust and big. Uh, so I, I apologize for people that I'm leaving out because that's been one of the joys of this is I've gotten to work with so many new coaches. Everyone has their own style that they bring to the game. Everyone uses their own verbiage uh, in how they coach and like the words that I use, the, the way that I approach things might not be what a specific player needs and it's so great to be stealing their ideas and and building that own database for my own coaching uh it's it's a very selfish thing that i'm doing running this program and just stealing other people's ideas (laughs) no that's what it's all Uh, about that's i i feel like with with this podcast too every time someone comes on with an idea i steal it for our men's club or i steal it for high school coaching and it's like oh i could use that here i could use that there and that that's what it's all about. I feel like if we're going to grow rugby and we're going to make these opportunities for these kids who have a chance to play a very high level, you know, that collective network of ideas and knowledge and application, I mean, that's going to be the most efficient way to do it. And and I think two of the biggest things that stand out to me is, you know, you have people, like you said, where a kid can go to these camps and they can learn from someone who they can see themselves in their shoes. Like a kid from Naperville who made it to the highest level is no different than a kid in a West Des Moines suburb and could see themselves on a similar path. And then also, like you said, those, those PDP meetings with, you know, someone who played at the highest level of sevens, you're not getting that one-on-one conversation with someone from the NFL or from the NBA. It's not like Kevin Durant's going to sit down with someone and be like, Hey, here's, here's how I'd work on defense. You know, you're not going to get that level of access in other sports. I just think it's a, it's a tremendous value Uh, for these kids if they see themselves wanting to be at a higher level. So that's why too, when, when you and I talked, I definitely knew like I wanted to have you on because I just, I really hope there's high school coaches and kids who are hearing this and think, you know, do I have what it takes? Could I do something at a higher level? Well, find out, get a hold of Silverbacks, go to a camp network. I think networking is huge because you find that person who works well with you and then it'll help them grow on their path. So Really, really cool stuff. And and kind of changing gears here, you mentioned one of my favorite people in rugby too, uh, Flan, Megan Flanagan. She also, as well as coaching for UNI Women's, she also played in the WPL uh, for Twin Cities, the Amazons. And, yeah, yeah. and so you said you've been coaching the North Shore. 
How's that been going on top of the Silverbacks? Yeah, um, we, you know, first of all, it was one of the most uh, exciting player groups I've ever I've, I've ever gotten to work with. Um, you're coaching in a top domestic league, and uh, I know my favorite thing is the players, the the questions they ask, um, and how engaged they are, and you know they challenge you, but but they also really work super hard to get to the roots of, of why you want them to do something and it's, it makes them incredibly adaptive and dynamic and it's just a, an extremely exciting um place place to be coaching mm-hmm. um so i'm i'm super grateful to to the commitment i had from my players there uh and then you know it was but also on like kind of the flip side of it it was an extremely uh challenging and, and isolating experience being in, in the national uh, top domestic league and uh, you know the demands that are, are kind of put on you there and uh, balanced with the, uh, the the lack of resources that you have um, it was it was kind of an you know suspicious start for me I got hired uh, I think two or three weeks before our first trial match uh, wow. we didn't have any training on a, a grass field uh, before that we were training on hardwood um, so uh, <laughs> We went into our first trial match, and uh, we knew the opposition was probably going to maul. Um, and we hadn't been able to work on any maul defense because of uh, the constraints of training in a gym. Yeah. You're um, not doing that so, with tennis shoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so I, I actually got uh, flipped when we were practicing sacking a maul and got knocked unconscious uh, right before <laughs> our first game. Um, and so I don't really remember the first 60 minutes of it, but... Uh, <laughs> We uh, so that that was kind of kind of where we started, and and we had a a lot of players retire at the beginning of COVID, and and had a long uh, runway just to get to be kind of a viable competitive side, and then mm-hmm. fast forward to this past weekend uh, at the finals weekend in our kind of fifth through tenth place semifinals uh, in the semifinal game, uh, the club posted its bigger biggest ever point total uh, in a WPL game. It's uh, its biggest ever margin of victory and recorded its highest ever finish in the WPL. Um, and that was coming from a place where we started 100 points probably behind uh, the top teams in the competition. We closed that gap by about 60 points. And, you know, we're, we're competing and, and, and finishing top six in, in the league. And, uh, you know, I couldn't be prouder of, of the athletes and their trust in the process that I tried to implement. Uh, and yeah, no, it was, it was really kind of surreal to see how much they grew, yeah. uh, how hard they worked. Um, that, that's that an season. amazing story there. Like you, like you said, you, you start a couple weeks before you don't have access to grass. You, the team itself is dealing with retirements. You don't know what things are going to look like. And just watching like Flan's Instagram stories of just how, you know, in club rugby where we think, Oh man, I have to drive from Iowa to Chicago or Minnesota. And it's just a few hours, but I mean, you're traveling across the country. I mean, you talk about resources. I mean, I, she would be coaching you and I one moment, working her full-time job, get on a plane, fly out to the West coast, play a match, come home. Like it, it was insane to watch. And then I saw another player. She's from West Des Moines. Uh, she was in the Iowa high school, association when she was a kid rachel and i hope it's her last name right rachel erke she plays for the colorado gray wolves uh, and i saw that they had their jerseys stolen 
out of somebody's car in the middle of the season. I mean, it's one of those things like it's the highest level of women's rugby, like a league in the United States. And yet they still, like you said, the lack of resources still operating almost as if it's just club rugby, even though that's the highest. And so it's just, it's crazy to think these women are competing for spots on the USA national team and you have national team members, but still playing and traveling across the country. I mean, how, how are they able to play at a high level, work full-time jobs, have families, and then also be expected to, you know, be at the top of their game? Like, uh, I don't know. I guess that it makes sense why you're so proud as a coach that all these, all these little things you go through that just add up. Yeah, well, I mean, like, and on top of that, this year we had a whole bunch of COVID protocols where uh, – won't get into the, the nitty gritty of it, but it was it was a big lift on players just to make sure that we're you know we were uh, mitigating risk. You know, I guess mm-hmm. kind of isolating ourselves from from some of our social structures in the season as well, um, just to make sure that we we would test negative at the end of the week and could get on a plane and then win test ne- uh, positive in, in another city uh, and get stranded. So wow. I, I, I think to answer your question, how do how do you do that? Um, these are just some of the most capable human beings in our game mm-hmm. uh, at dealing with pressure at at in terms of their work rate and self motivation. Um, you know, I, not only do they have all that, but you know, a lot like you said, a lot of them are chasing national team jerseys, and the women's national team isn't that far. Uh, from being, you know, at the top of the world game. So right. in, even though it's a semi-pro league or, or still kind of an amateur league, you are forced to be innovating in how you play and, uh, and being dynamic and and playing this really, really elite level of rugby just to kind of get by and survive. Uh, and these people are so resilient in how they, they handle pressure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's really, really incredible. And, you know, I, I think they're, they're kind of, it's very few and far between who can handle the pressure of that environment and, mm-hmm. and be as successful as, as so many of these, these people are. And it just makes me think too, that, you know, like you said, the U S women's team is so close to being at the top. If we were just able to see more resources and, and better, you know, like take the stress off the players, you know, what can, like, what would that do for the national team? What would that do for our player development and player retention? Cause I'm sure players get lost due to, Hey, I, I just can't keep up with the demands as a fan, as a friend, how can I, you know, help support the WPL to like make that, that burden off the players a little bit more? Like what, what does that look like collectively? Not just me alone, but as a rugby community, what can we do to support the WPL? Because like you said, the national team's right there. It would be so great to see these girls, you know, refine their skills to be a top international team in the WPL. What does that look like from the rugby community as a whole? Yeah, um, I, I think it's gonna. It's it's two things. The the first thing is uh, empathy and grace uh, for for the kind of uh, timeline to get get contributions pushed back down into the. Uh, the, the grassroots game. I, I think there's a very valid, valid criticism of higher levels of USA rugby that it doesn't do the best job of 
pushing kind of resources and knowledge back down into the community game. Um, and I, I definitely heard that criticism while I was I was coaching at North Shore this year. Um, at the same time, uh, again, these players' bandwidth is just so occupied. Um, and I think there's going to be kind of a snowball effect where there's a little bit more resources, which takes off a little bit more burden, which allows a little bit more capacity to give back to the, the community game. And then when the community game sees that, they feel empowered to invest a little bit more. And, and that will just snowball until until we have something that's really great for everyone. Um, and a really simple place that it can start, um, there's a lot of exciting plans being made in the WPL right now. I can't uh, divulge too much because there's there's uh, <laughs> those conversations need to happen internally first. No but, breaking news, um, no exclusives here, but <laughs> no, not, not quite yet. Maybe maybe in a, maybe in three weeks. Uh, <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, if if, uh, if things go the way I expect them to go, but I follow the WPL on uh, social media. Follow the individual teams on social media follow the uh, individual players as much as uh, they want to have a public persona on social media. I know it sounds super basic, but um, there's going to hopefully be some really exciting news coming out of the league and there are going to be some calls to action. Um, and that's the best way to stay up to date on it. Our audience is we want to use our audience to, uh, to, to bring in those sponsors who, who want to help us, uh, you know, again, take burden off of the players. So helping us build that audience and being a part of it and participating and watching the highlights and really, really easy, fun things like that go a long way. Um, and when we talk about the individual players, when a, a player gets to close to 5,000 Instagram followers, we can start connecting them with paid endorsement opportunities. Yeah, right. I mean, it's 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 so simple. Um, when we get them to a certain level, there are brands that are already out there that um, and and kind of uh, groups that we can work with to get those athletes making money on the side to you know reduce the burden, the financial burdens of the league, maybe reduce the uh, the time burdens of having to work multiple jobs uh, to to support this uh, rugby habit. Um, so. I, I would challenge everyone who's listening, just go follow the WPL, go follow all 10 teams, see who the players are, follow them, pay attention to what they're doing, look for calls to action there, and, and just you know consume the game and, and enjoy what's coming out because uh, the standard of play is, is good and it's going to get better. Um, the, the way that they play the game, the WPL is innovative and exciting uh, and new and different, and it's going to be on the, the front the front edge of what's happening in world rugby. Um, and, and that has a tremendous impact to be that first wave that, again, just lit, removes that little bit of burden so the clubs can invest, uh, so the, the WPL can start pushing resources and knowledge more down to uh the community game and create that snowball effect i think that's that's really well said and i think a lot of people think too that you know when you ask people to support something it's you're not asking people to you know wear face paint at every single game and i mean just the simple step of just give i mean sponsors love analytics they love to to look at the insights 
the easiest thing just quickly, and we'll we'll tag the teams and we'll put the links on our on our Facebook link here to try to make it as easy as possible. Just click like. I mean, those numbers, as much as people don't think they matter, I mean they they really do. And if it's that easy and, and we say we want to grow the game and we say we support like women's sports, women's rugby, they're our friends, they're our family. Just start there and then you start seeing it on your timeline and then engage in it. And that, that's something too. I feel like anytime I've seen something with WPL or these players, they're so accessible. And and we've had WPL players when I was coaching uh, the Roosevelt girls high school team, we'd reach out and be like, hey, can you send a message? Or hey, And they're so happy to do that too. And, and I think that's great. And just, you can really tell there's a lot of hard work by everybody in the league from the players, coaches, admin. Um, and like you said, it's just, there's exciting things coming. So follow to make sure we don't miss anything, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I always say it as a coach, communication is two ways. It's got to be given, but it's also got to be received, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. And so now transitioning to another hat, I feel like we need to get sponsored by like lids or like a hat store because that's been a running joke for the last like 10 people but you're also the Illinois men's rugby head coach and when I reached out to you to talk about I saw some stuff was happening with Silverbacks and I wanted to get you on and we had someone drop out last minute and I reached out to you like hey could you come on short notice hey by the way congrats your Illinois boys they won the block party sevens and your response was oh I didn't even know (laughs) I was at the WPL that's good to hear the boys are doing well and I'm thinking how cool is that? As a college coach, you get told that your team goes to a tournament and wins, and it's just like they're they're on autopilot, just taking care of business against some you know clubs that really wanted to compete at a high level there. So, um, yeah, how's coaching Illinois? How long have you been at Illinois? And yeah, how did that feel to find out your club won when you weren't even paying attention? <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was definitely a pleasant surprise. Uh, you know. Uh, Sometimes as a coach, you talk about personal responsibility and hit your head against the wall about it and ask them to take personal responsibility in their off season. And uh, it, it's, it's always uh, super fun in those moments when you see that, that they have done that. Um, and really, really proud to, to hear that, that they took steps to get uh, on their rugby off season and, and, and get some experience playing sevens, uh, experience decision making. Um, I've heard that they were in decent shape, uh, which is something that's always going to make a, a coach happy. Um, oh so, yeah, according uh, to the uh, according to the D three men's senior side players, they were in amazing shape, maybe the best shape they've ever seen. But that's also coming <laughs> from from D three men's club players. So take it as you will. But they were the most athletic looking and most in shape kids there, and. Yeah, so they they said that those kids, they were just running around the field. And, and that also puts the University of Illinois in first place in the Iowa 7 series. So I don't know if you guys are coming back to Des Moines or anything, but they're in the front seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to ask around. I, uh, like, like we talked about, I literally just uh, stepped out of the WPL season on uh, Sunday, well, more like Monday. Um, and I uh, just got back to, to my apartment in Urbana for the first time in like two months uh, on, on Tuesday. So uh, I, I'm a little actually behind the eight ball in, in terms of accountability stuff. The boys could probably call me out. I've got one or two uh, off-season things that I need to get going really, really quickly in short order here. But Well, I, congratulations <laughs> on the first sevens win of the season. 
And, uh, you know, following Illinois' program, it was a program that uh, I was familiar with when I played at UNI. We were in the same conference, then the Big Ten came about, and they took all the Big Ten teams away from that old Midwest West. What a great name for a conference, the Midwest West. Um, I miss it. But, you know, over the years, Illinois has kind of, they've been on a roller coaster. But in the last few years, especially since I've noticed that you've gotten there, there's more and more kids that are coming out for rugby at the University of Illinois. How have you been able to take that group of kids, increase that number, and also develop these players to compete toe-to-toe with Indiana, Ohio State, Michigan, kind of those those blue bloods of the Big Ten? How do you – because you guys finished third and 15s this year. Am I right on that? Or you guys uh, were up we, there. We finished, we finished third uh, two seasons ago. Last okay. season we were, we were fourth. Um, okay. But yeah, no. It, uh, to your point, it is it is a roller coaster uh, uh, for for this program. I do uh, a little bit have to fight you on the blue buds comment about Ohio State and Indiana. Uh, Illinois was actually uh, in the final four in the first ever uh, collegiate national championships. Uh, was a founding member of the collegiate national championships and. Uh, I uh, was in three of the first five, so uh, I, I think my alumni would uh, eat me and kill me if I didn't uh, point point that one out. But uh, yeah, no, it's I didn't I didn't go back far enough in the history. I, I stopped the research. And uh, yeah, I stopped the research. You know, ten, fifteen years in. Dang it! <laughs> uh, so you got to be careful. Those old boys networks they they remember they remember every single day of uh, of rugby with their clubs. I, <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, no. Um, so I took over in uh, December of 2018, um, and I had a great predecessor, uh, Dave Petty, um, who uh, is from Brisbane, Australia, uh, and he was a postdoc there, um, and you know just stumbled on a disorganized uh, group of, of guys uh, uh, trying to run some rugby, and stepped in just about the right time because. Uh, there was a requirement put in place a few weeks later that uh, they had to have a world rugby uh, level L2 coach uh, to, to stay in D1A. And so uh, he showed up at right about the right time and started doing kind of subtle things to, to change the culture there um, and, and really set a, a, a platform for me to be successful uh, when I stepped in when uh, academics or academia took him to, to USC. But I... Uh, you know, from there, uh, you know, we, we did a lot of hard work on, on our culture, and that's that's where everything has to start and end. But, uh, you know, I I was very optimistic, and I walked in and I said, let's create varsity resources through our old boy network, uh, and, you know, let's let's do this properly. Um, and I, I got the feedback from, from the player leadership and the old boy leadership. It was like, not quite. We're not, we're not quite ready to go for that. Um, and so we went through this strategic planning cycle where, you know, I was really looking aggressively for more support so we could bring in uh, top level players to U of I. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we do, do still get a couple of really, really talented uh, rugby, high school rugby players that come in and players from abroad. But, uh, you know, it it became, we, we compromised and we compromised. And then all of a sudden uh, we landed with this model um, and, and COVID was kind of a piece of it because uh, we had some of the best testing in the country uh, that allowed us to test three times a week, uh, spitting in a cup uh, mm. instead of having to do the brain pick. Nice. <laughs> uh, 
and and we were able to safely and with reasonable confidence uh, start to build something internal through through the COVID year. And uh, what happened is we just wound up with a, an intramural competition on campus. Um, and because there's very low cost, very low travel, um, we all of a sudden see all these crossover athletes and guys who've never played rugby before stepping onto our campus uh, into into this because it's like, you know, why not? It's it's as low barrier to entry as flag football uh, on, on your campus. And um, so this past year, uh, we had over 100 different guys participate in the club. Um, wow. We ran a three-team intramural league, which I think is only going to grow. Uh, had a great gra- uh, draft day uh, <laughs> to start off that season. Um, so there's a ton of competitiveness. I think some of the guys get up more for that than they necessarily do uh, for, for sometimes playing outside uh, of it. But Love a good draft. <laughs> Now, now we have these like really, really talented athletes who, as freshmen and sophomores, they get to experience it and fall in love with the game and decide it's for them. Meanwhile, they're getting quality 15s match experience, um, and they're trickling up into our our uh, our high performance sides. Uh, so we we have uh, our we have three teams, or we fielded three teams on a couple occasions. Uh, last year, our third team was uh, undefeated in the fall. Our second team was undefeated in the Big Ten champions, and then our first team uh, would finish fourth in the Big Ten. Um, and you know, is is uh, yeah. I mean, it's the amount of experience that we're creating and retaining year to year is, is just super exciting. And, you know, I got to a point uh, at the end of this year and I'm like, we've kind of created a little mini LAU on our campus uh, where we've got a a community game that's feeding a high performance system. And uh, it's unique and it's a really cool experiment. Um, I'm really excited to see how it starts to pay off this year. I think we're going to be, a really, really competitive team in the Big Ten, and uh, you know, also looking forward to twenty twenty three. You know, I think we should be a title contender this coming year. Um, and looking at all these guys, if they stay stick with it, uh, it's hard to not see us be a, a front runner in the conference uh, twenty twenty three. Just looking at the numbers and yeah. the, mat, the caps, and you know, the, those numbers. <laughs> Sorry, I was I was gonna say those numbers. I'm just my jaw hit the floor because that's that's just unheard of. And you think of you know that year to year turnover. I mean, there's teams who operate and they're happy when they hit 30. The next year comes around and it's like, all right, we have to teach 15 guys how to play every single year. Because I'm thinking, you know, D2 even D1 AA clubs where I mean they're competing in these these very difficult conferences and they've got some dogs but they just don't have depth and the way you've created depth and interest. And it's really interesting too. We talked to river city rugby. It's a men's club in Mason city, Iowa, and they were struggling with numbers. They actually did this, did this with sevens this summer to try to increase community support. And they went from having six guys on their men's team to having 45 show up and play sevens. And now they're hoping to transition that into the fall. And then to hear this happening on a college campus, I'm sure there's some guys walking by that did a sport in high school and then they see rugby and they're like, well, I've got, and especially during COVID, like, well, I'm not doing anything else. I could do this. And what a great foundation. And then 
from year to year just to have that experience. You don't have to reteach everything. Guys can just fall in line. And the way you have three 15s teams when their school is struggling to have one 15s team. I mean, that's just hats off to you for taking that risk and and just trying it out. And then congratulations on, on that success. And hopefully more teams can follow a model like this because I just know that you know, every single fall when college rugby teams are like, all right, we got to recruit on campus. And it's like, okay, you put a flyer in the, in the cafeteria and in the weight room. And then you talk to a guy at a bar and you get six guys. I mean, you guys got a hundred. Like, so what, what's worth your time making a cool flyer, social media posts, or actually getting a little series like that going. That's wow. I'm, I'm excited to see how you guys do with that. And like you said, just, you to see that B side and C side go undefeated and to just those players move up the chain, that's going to be really exciting. And so with that, I did notice you, you called yourself the U of I and there's a team in Iowa that also calls themselves the U of I. And when is, when is Iowa going to come back to the big 10? So we call uh, Tyler you know, Daly out right now. I, I mean, I, I don't think we have to call him out too much because uh, he, he has been having conversations uh, with, with us uh, uh, about finding maybe a long-term strategy. But, uh, you know, we wanted them so bad that we played them. Uh, uh, we played a developmental side game uh, this, this past spring and then uh, uh, in Peoria, and they're coming to our campus uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, uh, to to continue to build the conference uh, relationship with Iowa. Um, nice. This year, we added Notre Dame back to the pack. Uh, well, not back to the pack, into the into the fold. Um, so we're now to an eight team conference again. Uh, and and Iowa is one of my my hottest targets to bring in. Uh, I think brand wise, they're they're perfect for us. Obviously, being a Big Ten school, um, I'm really really excited about the things that Tyler is doing uh, with with regard to on-field capacity. Um, you know, I think that my my uh, my athletic uh, loose forwards and, and my centers might run around his boys a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Uh-oh, Tyler. But, but, but all, all seriousness, I'm, I'm really, really impressed with what he's building there. Um, I know a couple of athletes from Chicago that are, are heading out to, to play with him, um, and I couldn't be happier for them because I think they're going to be getting a really, really great coach uh, and joining a really great program. Um, and, you know, I, I think that we should not be far away from uh, from the excitement of Iowa playing Big Ten opponents because, mm. I mean, that's something to get excited for uh, as, as we start to build um, streaming and, and broadcast back into the D1A um, after we took a little bit of hit from COVID. Uh, those are the matchups people want to see. Iowa, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, um, you know, Oh yeah, the, the things you're comfortable Michigan. with with those Big Ten football rivalries, and and we know the logos, and we know the campuses. I mean, the amount of times you know I've been to Illinois, Wisconsin, heck, even Purdue, Minnesota, beautiful places, and it just feels comfortable. And seeing Iowa versus Oklahoma State, unless it's wrestling, that's actually a huge rivalry. But I'm thinking <laughs> from like rugby, football, like it just makes sense for Iowa to be in the Big Ten. What benefit, like, what is the Big Ten doing to grow? What separates the Big Ten from other rugby conferences at all levels? 
Yeah, so we're, we're obviously B1A, um, which uh, there's a whole lot to unpack in the, uh, the acronyms at the national level of uh, USA Rugby. Um, but what's exciting is we're in the, the top domestic competition, collegiate competition. And, you know, I think that's unequivocally true in terms of the standard of play. Uh, obviously, it's nice to have the Cows, the Lindenwood, St. Mary's, uh, Army kind of uh, type, type teams participating in your competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, with that, uh, I think that World Rugby's uh, investments uh, for this, this next World Cup is going gonna, is gonna to come at that D1A level. Um, you know, it just seems like naturally the best place for that money to go. Um, and then on top of that, with the big 10 brands being able to share the game better than, um, probably any other brand that exists in rugby, there's very few conferences that are coherently, uh, tied to kind of the American sports ethos, ethos, the SCRC is, is close to the SEC, um, but, but not quite, you know, Red River and Big 12 are, are somewhat tied. Uh, but I, I think really Big 10 is the brand that stands out and it's just the absolute logical place for, for investment to go mm-hmm. um, if, if you want to grow the, the audience for rugby by capitalizing on, on kind of the existing infra- sports infrastructure in the United States. Um, you know, we're working to do some new initiatives in the Big 10. Uh, we do get uh, kind of uh, advantage referees, which is is really nice to get uh, some of the top referees from throughout the country uh, because we're we're part of the D1A, which you don't necessarily get uh, in in lower tiers of the game. Um, and then uh, we're hoping to start collectively bargaining to reduce the financial burdens on clubs uh, as kind of a step towards getting more professional resources for the teams. Um, you know, there are really, really simple things that we have, like, you know, if we're all spending 50000 a year on rental cars, uh, that's an asset for us to collectively bargain with and go to mm-hmm. a, a budget ban provider and, and say, uh, you know, give us 20% off and you'll be our, our you, you get still a $30,000 account. Um, and that's something that's interesting, interesting to corporations. Uh, and it's, we're a brand that's worth partnering with. And, uh, you know, I, I think we have the structures, uh, in place to, to, to bring that to the forefront. Um, I can say we're expecting to have a broadcasted big 10 championship this year, uh, which is super exciting. Uh, we did it in 2019. It had huge impacts for our programs. Um, you know, I can speak at the University of Illinois. Uh, the social media campaign around pr- uh, promoting our first ever broadcast game at the University of Illinois was the University of Illinois' best performing social media campaign of the fall 2019 semester. Wow. Which was amazing. Yeah. Uh, That's the support awesome. that we got through the non rugby campus community was, was tremendous. And, you know, you look at where we are with kind of our process successes, uh, how much, how much of that came there? I say we were, we were so, we had such good numbers from that game and and that uh, I actually got a meeting with our athletics department, which was uh, surreal and crazy. And I, I'm sure everyone in, uh, who's in a club space, uh, knows how. That's unheard of. Unheard of that is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Normally if, um, I remember when we were at UNI, if we ever got called in by the university, it was like, uh Oh, 
we're in trouble. <laughs> Nor like very rarely, like less than 0.1% is it like, we need to talk. You're doing some great stuff. It's like, wait, do you have the right phone number? Like you meant to, uh, the rugby team? Okay. And so is there a chance that that uh, championship, Big Ten championship match could air maybe even a replay on the Big Ten network or still like just an online streaming only or what would that look like? Yeah, I, I don't think I can comment too much on okay. that, um, where, where that, that's going to be uh, at the moment. Um, you know, the last time we did it in 2019, it was on the FPF Next app and that uh, streaming, but then we also got uh, the 11 Sports mm-hmm. uh, USA. Um, I actually had, a, I think it was about a year ago uh, during the pandemic, I was just flipping through the channels and I saw a replay of, of <laughs> us playing Michigan, uh, and it was kind of a, a surreal experience as a... <laughs> Especially not having watched it on TV because you're obviously on the sidelines. Right. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that still does happen a little bit. But I, I, I think I wait to have all those details confirmed when we do our uh, Big Ten uh, beginning of year media nice. uh, frenzy. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like sometimes I'll be flipping through channels, see the Big Ten network, and I'll just see, like, it'll say two random schools, but it doesn't say the sport on, like, the channel guide. And flip it over, and it's like, women's field hockey and nothing against women's field hockey, but I'm like, Oh man, like why couldn't it be men's rugby? Like what, why not? I, I feel like just the reach and, and I just wonder, and obviously title nine women's field hockey is a varsity sport, but you know, it, it's like, you could still bring in some eyeballs for that rugby. And it's just, again, the biased rugby fan in me, like, come on, just put that on TV and everything's going to be great. And with the news today, uh, is the Big Ten Rugby Conference, are they going to go after USC and UCLA? Did you hear about that news? I, I haven't heard this one. I was like, you keep, you're breaking all this news to me about my own team, about things going on DNA, so hit me with it. <laughs> so USC and UCLA just announced today, I have ESPN on in the background right now, and they are going to leave the Pac-12 and try to gain admission into the Big Ten for football to make a super conference. Goodness. No, I, I had not heard that one. So that would be uh... <laughs> big 10 rugby. If you, you guys gotta, you guys gotta start calling. Uh, it just, I mean, obviously I know when like the, the conference realignment with the big 10 happened and it, it was like, Hey, we have this great brand and there are all those original big 10 teams that are so close. And then they added Rutgers and Maryland for football Penn State for rugby, they do their own thing, but they are kind of out there a little bit. And then you have Nebraska on the other side. And if they had USC and UCLA, I mean, but at the core of the Big Ten, you think of those rivalries, you think of those institutions. Amazing that you guys got Notre Dame. That's another brand recognition that, I mean, that's that's huge for people. They see Notre Dame in the conference. Um, that's great. And thinking of the social media engagement, uh, do you guys ever try to – especially being a college team, did any of the guys ever try to reach out to like Barstool Chicago and try to get them to share anything? They, they kind of get things to go viral a little bit. There's a guy, Barstool Carl, he went to the University of Illinois. Any of your guys ever try to reach out and get some shares that way? Uh, I'm not sure that we've, we've ever tried that. You know, I, I, so we're, we're trying to do get a little bit more structure throughout the Big Ten. Uh, we're actually building a social media committee now or a media con- committee, not just specifically social, um, to, to create better standards and practices and deadlines uh, for, for the teams in the league. Um, so that, that's a, 
we're <laughs> a lot less uh, exciting news, right? We're building a committee uh, <laughs> and building deadlines and accountability and processes. Um, uh, but, so but rules and order and structure, uh, not the Wild West of just whatever. <laughs> is, that what, is that what podcast listeners are looking for? They want to hear about uh, procedure? <laughs> yeah. Just give me uh, your 47-point plan, uh, <laughs> all the legal but, jargon. But on the, uh, the SoCal front, I'll put it out there right now. It's like American Airlines or United or uh, Delta uh, wants to you know, sponsor all of our airfare for the league. I will commit right now that I would be happy to go to SoCal uh, once in November uh, yeah. and, uh, and spend a, a weekend or half a week out there. Um, I would take make that sacrifice <laughs> to leave the cold of Illinois uh, for that for that opportunity. If uh, if if you've got the airlines, uh, I'm sure the airline uh, executives are, are are listening to this podcast, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we have so many of them in our back pocket. We we don't like to brag. We kind of keep it, you know, a little hush. But yeah, they're listening. No, and that's okay, so- everybody's had that in the Midwest where it's like, hey, it's August, September. Oh my God, it's a hundred degrees. All right, it's the last week in October, first week in November. Hey, Midwest Championship, Big Ten Championship. All right, we're going to be in uh, Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, or Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. It's 12 degrees. The field is frozen, and it's a rain-sleet mix, 40-mile-per-hour wind. You know, it's a, it's a fair matchup. It's the best team will win. Weather doesn't play an impact. You know, like we've all been there. Yeah, playing in California in early November in the Midwest would would be amazing. Everyone would sign up for that. You guys need to do a bowl game system where everybody gets to leave, go south. <laughs> well, so there there is a, a bowl game now in D1A. They uh, they just started it last year. Uh, it was in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, so yeah. a little bit further south of here. Iowa um, Central anyway. Community College. They were in in one of those, weren't they? Yeah, they were. They were, and it was so great to see uh, uh, Brent's program uh, getting getting showcased. They just uh, deserve more attention uh, for the great things that they do there. So oh, yeah. it was really exciting to to see them on that stage on that platform. Oh yeah, no, I yeah, that's a. I, I think it'd be cool to see more because didn't they play Wheeling Jesuit? Was that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That sounds right. Um, it's cool to I, see I, these teams like match up with teams they would have no business playing or they wouldn't regularly, you know, schedule them. So I, I'd love to see more bowl games in a sense of get Illinois out of Illinois in the winter. Go see a team you would never see, you know, call up Arizona, see what they're up to. Arizona State, you know, um, yeah. some name recognition, see if you can get someone to stream it, get a sponsor, you know, have the boys out, have a good time. But no, I think. I love what you're doing at all levels. I just think, you know, the growth you've shown uh, for the Illinois boys and and to grow that number up to 100 and have three sides, it's extremely exciting to see what you're doing with the Big Ten, trying to grow that brand as well. Uh, The WPL seems like it's on the verge of some really big things and exciting things for women's rugby, especially for as much as people, you know, shit on USA Rugby for like the men's side. I think oftentimes we forget how good the women's side is and maybe in spite of the lack of attention that they get. So hopefully the WPL can and prop those players up some more. And then again, lastly, what we started with the silverbacks, you know, December, you're going to come to town, a little five aside tourney. You've got some camps coming up. We're going to post all the links to that. So everybody listening, please go and like silverbacks 
sign up. Uh, you're going to get a 10% off. There's a 10% donation that's going to go to the Iowa Youth Rugby Association. Go like and follow all the WPL teams. Interact with those teams, those players. And, uh, yeah, Joey, uh, I appreciate you being on. Anything we missed? Anything else you want to throw out there? Call anybody out? A hot take? Or uh, or just thanks for being here? <laughs> uh, I would say it's, it's probably a cold take. I think uh, after being reminded of all the stuff that I do, uh, on this conversation, I'm ready for a nap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know so, I told you um, 30 minutes and here we are closing in on an hour because you're doing awesome stuff and I don't want anything to get missed because they just, they're all so very important in, in this sport we love. Yeah. Well, I, I'll say again, not a, not a hot take, but really, really excited to, to be out in the rugby community, you know, uh, Oshkosh and Chicago with those camps, uh, getting to, to meet athletes and hopefully maybe a few Iowa athletes can be there. Um, you know, if, if we can get Iowa athletes involved in our online programs, like it, it's really just my passion is to, to work with, with, with these, uh, with, with people with that ambition in the game and, want to use rugby as a vehicle to better themselves, uh, not only as, as players, but as people. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I guess just super excited from, from any new relationships and new opportunities to do that and serve the community uh, that come from this conversation. Yeah. I feel like, you know, if I, if I can get you one person from Iowa to sign up, right. I mean, this, this is all worth it. Right. So <laughs> no, but all kidding aside, I, I appreciate you coming on and, We'll definitely be in touch, and I definitely want to reach back out to you October, November, so we can talk about the stuff you got coming to Iowa in December, and then also just to check in, see how the Illinois team is doing, see how that game with Iowa went, and and just kind of check in on you, see how things are going, if that sounds good with you. Yeah, that would be perfect. I'll say maybe we'll have to break some news in a, in a couple of weeks, too. We'll see. Yeah, I'll give you three months to write down at least one hot take, so... <laughs> Some sort, something that'll at least get us like three retweets. I mean, <laughs> was I too boring today? <laughs> <laughs> no, all good stuff, man. All good stuff. So thank you, Joey. I appreciate being on, and uh, good luck with everything this fall. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And that was Joey Rasmus. What an interview there. Great guy, doing awesome stuff. Again, if you are a high school coach or a high school player, boys, girls, please go check out Silverbacks. Uh, just the one-on-one -on -one feedback that you're going to get, it's definitely worth it, especially those online courses. The level of you know knowledge and the team of professionals that he is gathering to help people make it to the next level. Uh, off the air, we were kind of talking a little bit. And he was saying, you know, my passion in rugby or just my passion is to get kids to that higher level if that's what they want. That's his passion. And so I just great dude. Silverbacks rugby. Again, you sign up and there's going to be a code. You will get 10 percent off and then also 10 percent of your entry fee will be donated to the Iowa Youth Rugby Association. So he definitely is trying to get into the Iowa high school rugby scene, boys and girls, because he knows what we've been saying all along is that we are just untapped potential. There is so much great things happening here at the youth level. You know, he wants in on it because he knows we can, we've got kids who want to be at a higher level. He can help you get there. 
and I just can't recommend him enough. And yeah, definitely great dude. And so as we wrap up this episode, uh, a serious note here, saw this come across on Facebook. Just wanted to say, uh, William Craig passed away. And so condolences to his family and thoughts and prayers going to his way. Um, I never got the chance to meet him, but just seeing what people are saying online and on social media, uh, he was a pioneer for the sport. Uh, he was involved from the 70s. Uh, it was a part of the Iowa Society of Referees. And just he's a member of the Iowa Hall of Fame for rugby and just countless things. And basically our sport in Iowa would not be where it is today without everything that he's done. And he's just had a major impact. Next week's episode, we will talk to Adam Hughes. He's writing a book on American rugby and all the things, all the grassroots stories and people he's met along the way. A great look at rugby, not your typical X's and O's or the history of the All Blacks, but the history of grassroots rugby in the United States. And there are components of Iowa that are included there. Also, we'll take a look at the Pro Rugby Sevens, Premier Rugby Sevens, and we have a few other things in Iowa going on that we'll take a look at. So again, thank you everyone for joining us. We will see you all on Friday.